0: Starts with the right golf ball, Sun Mountain Golf Bags, Finn Scooters, making the game more
2: fun, Hiddell Golf, hit it, flip it, dial it in, and the McLemore Club Experience, live above the clouds. Now, here's your
0: host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for coming back and joining me on Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. This week, I've got four great guests that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. I've got a former tour player who's become one of the all-time great show hosts. I've got one of the top radio guys from the state of Wisconsin. We'll take a step out of golf tonight for a little bit when I'm joined by a Hall of Fame drummer. And I've also got a good friend whose product was named one of the best for 2022 by Golf Digest. So folks, we'll talk about who all of those folks are here in just a minute. But before we do, I want to thank all of you again for keeping this show inside the top five in the podcast magazine Hot 50 list for the month of September. I really appreciate your votes and all of your wonderful support. Next on the tee is currently ranked number three, our football show Thursday Night Tailgate right behind it at number five. Our goal, obviously, is to get both shows into the top two spots So please continue to vote, and you can do so daily, by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash Hot 50. Your votes are what are going to get us on top. Thank you so much for taking a moment out of your busy days to vote for both shows. It means a great deal to me. Okay, on to tonight's show. First up is going to be Charlie Reimer. It's been 13 months, almost to the day since the last time I got to have Charlie as part of the show. And it's been a very challenging and triumphal, by the way, 13 months for him. He was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer last year. He went through nearly a year's worth of treatment and surgeries and came out on the other side and got to ring the bell in July that he is cancer free. We're going to talk about that journey. We're also going to talk about his show, the Charlie Reimer Golf Show, and a whole lot more when he joins me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a visit from the founder of the Sports Geeks Radio Network, Wisconsin zone, Chris Carter. I'm going to talk to Chris about the great golf courses that they have up there in Wisconsin. A lot of time goes under the radar, but they've got a lot of great golf up there. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about what's going on between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. Chris has been a great supporter of this show over the years, and I'm really looking forward to having him as part of it tonight. He'll join me about 25 minutes from now. Following him, I'm going to get a visit from Hall of Fame drummer Liberty DeVito. Liberty was a member of Billy Joel's band for over 30 years. He's also been a session drummer, appearing with other great artists like Paul McCartney, Carly Simon, Karen Carpenter, Stevie Nicks, Bob James, and Meatloaf, to name just a few. He's been on records that have sold over 150 million copies around the world, so very excited to have Liberty as part of the show tonight. He'll join me a little bit later on in the hour. Then we're going to round it out tonight with a return visit from Bob Winskowitz. Bob is the founder of Squares Golf, the best golf shoes I've ever worn. You see players out on tour like Sepp Straka, John Daly, and Mark Kalkavecchia wearing them. You've also seen Nick Faldo singing their praises for well over a year now. So we're going to catch up with Bob here about the great year that they've had, the great things he's got coming up for 2023 when he joins me about an hour from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information are coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Teen as always. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, I want to remind you about our friends up at the Macklemore. As you guys know, my buddies and I were there again this year for our annual golf trip, and it was even better the second time around. Everything about what they have up there is first class. The accommodations were fantastic. The practice facility is great. The on-premise restaurant called The Craig has outstanding food and service. And to say the course is spectacular, would be doing it a disservice. Can't say enough great things about the place, folks. Go online to themacklemore.com to see for yourself how spectacular it is. The golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones, and our friend and tour caddy Kip Henley said, Outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. Golf Digest agreed naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000, and Lynx Magazine doubled down on that, naming it one of the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. See why we're all saying such great things about the place by going online to themacklemore.com. Also want to remind you about our friends over at TaylorMade. Golf is an interesting game because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made their all-new Stealth Irons. Stealth Irons feature a cap design with a 3D toe wrap designed to help deliver increased distance through the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or, you know, maybe not so occasional, less than perfect shots. The result? Better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. So if you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, try the all-new Stealth Irons from TaylorMade, Beyond Driven. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is Charlie Reimer. You all know Charlie from the wonderful job he did for years on the Golf Channel, plus his shows. Riding with Reimer, and now the Charlie Reimer Golf Show. Charlie is from Cleveland, Tennessee, which is just a little northeast of Chattanooga. He won the U.S. Junior Amateur Championship in 1985 at Brookfield Country Club in New York. Played his college golf at Georgia Tech, where he was a two-time All-American. He was inducted into their Sports Hall of Fame in 2000. Charlie turned pro and joined the Corn Ferry Tour in 1994. Got a big win that year in his home state at the Nike South Carolina Open. Finished second the following week at the Central Georgia Open. Charlie finished third at the Shell Houston Open in 1995 behind Payne Stewart, who won that tournament in a playoff over Scott Hoke. Started his broadcasting career at ESPN in the late 1990s, moved over to the Golf Channel in 2008 and co hosted the Morning Drive. And I'm very excited that Charlie is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Charlie, thanks for coming back on the show.
2: Hey, I appreciate it, Chris. Yeah, thanks for the. Big intro there. And uh, Liberty DeVito, man, i tell you what, that's one heck of a guest right there. I, I was thinking about it a little bit ago, and-, and when I saw he was coming on your show tonight, I think the first concert I ever saw, I, I grew up just south of Charlotte, uh, it- just barely inside of South Carolina, at the old Charlotte Coliseum was Billy Joel, and of course, Liberty DeVito was was banging on the drums that night. The coolest thing I've ever seen. How, how did you get him on your show, Chris? That's all. <laughs>
0: It is awesome, and I'm very excited he's a part of this show. And uh, to be honest with you, Charlie, I think uh, he sees that I'm friends with some other folks that are friends of his on social media. So when I asked the question, he probably thought, well, I guess this guy must be all right. He knows so-and-so and so-and-so, so <laughs> come on this show. So it's quite, it's I'm very quite excited a, it's he's here. Net,
2: it's quite a network in the world of golf. I, you know, to think the people that, uh, whether through broadcasting or through golf or uh, it's just amazing that the opportunity that you have uh, as a member of the media or uh, like me playing a little bit and then a long term uh, member of the media, just to, the doors that, that, that golf opens. It's unbelievable the relationships that are built through this game.
0: I 100% agree with that. So, Charlie, like I mentioned in your intro, it's been almost 13 months to the day that we got to spend some time with you, and it hasn't exactly been a smooth 13 months for you. You battled. And one against stage uh stage three colon cancer catch us up on how you're doing and uh how you were able to overcome it
2: well um i i, I have had a i've had a tough year um as you know uh, it it's uh, hitting your family as well and it just seems like uh right now i'm fifty four years old and and I, I've just got a lot of friends and acquaintances and, and, you know, b- people that I know that, that are dealing with it, uh, some form of cancer and, uh, ca- cancer is just, cancer is bad news. I, you know, it, 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 it doesn't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, fat, skinny, what your religion is, what color your skin is. Uh, I mean, it just doesn't discriminate, but, uh, um, I, I'm, I'm hopefully towards the end of my journey of dealing with it. Um, I, I was, was diagnosed um, with, uh, it, it It started out, uh, I didn't have any symptoms and and uh, w- was just in for a physical and, and the doc's like, hey, when's the last time that you've had a colonoscopy? And I, I actually had one when I was 40, so it was at that point it was about 11 or 12 years previous and he said it's time for a colonoscopy and go in and get the procedure, which uh, re- really isn't a big deal at all, getting a colonoscopy. but what is a big deal is when you're, um, sitting there waiting for the doc to come in and, and before I'd gotten the thumbs up, Hey, you're all clear. Uh, you know, we'll see you back here in 10 years, but this time I got, well, we need to talk a little bit. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, sort of tough news to get. Um, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't clean cut, simple for me. It was, you, you've got these things called polyps and not, um, all polyps don't turn into cancer, but all cancer comes from polyps. So they wanted to keep me under surveillance. So ended up being about a about a two year journey where uh, you know, they'd have me come back in and do a colonoscopy, and they say, yeah, it's changing a little bit. And then I got sent to a specialist in Charleston, South Carolina, to try a technique called an advanced polypectomy. And please excuse me, Chris, if I get some of these terms wrong. I've had so many thrown at me <laughs> in the last two years.
3: It's not really my
2: <laughs> no specialty, doubt. but. But, uh, that, that was a technique where they were trying to remove a polyp without having to actually go in and, and cut a section of your colon out and, and, uh, had a few complications from that. And then the doctor wanted to try again. So we tried again and the whole time they're looking at the biopsies and they're, you know, they're saying, Hey, you don't have cancer. And then finally, um, a couple of doctors got together and they said, listen, you need to get your, um, a section of your colon removed. Uh, the procedure I have is called a uh, right hemicolectomy, and uh, they they took about a foot of my colon. And, and by the way, it really upset me because afterwards I was trying to figure out what you do with my colon. I was wanting to take it home and put it in a pickle jar, Chris. I'm thinking <laughs> they probably they probably threw it in a dumpster out back. And I got feral cats running around in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, with a foot of my colon. <laughs> and and uh, they they would never tell me what they actually did with it. I, I want. I it's like my colon. I want uh that's the only humorous thing that I've dealt with in the past two years. But uh, uh, the, the uh, surgery was successful. I had some pretty serious complications from the surgery. that kept me in the hospital about nine days, and, and uh, um, that, that was not much fun. But about the third day, the surgeon came in, and he said, uh, oh, by the way, uh, we did the pathologies on your colon, and you've got stage three colon cancer. And... Um, my wife who's an RN was with me and, and, um, it really surprised us because we were thinking that we were aggressively, um, pursuing having a polyp removed, uh, by getting that section taken out and we were getting it before it turned to cancer, but we were actually a little bit late. And, uh, so that was, that was really, you know, pretty shocking news to hear. And then, uh, I, I elected to go down. And seek treatment at MD Anderson in Houston at that point, and and um, boy, I'm telling you what that place is is absolutely amazing. Um, the CV on the doc that they assigned me was, was an impressive guy. Starting with like a undergraduate degree in electrical engineering, and uh, he's a PhD along with being an MD. His name is, is uh, uh, Scott Kopetz, and he's one of the best in the, in the world. And and so um, I, I knew I was in great hands there, and they they did all the diagnostic tests and actually redid everything that we had had uh, done in other places. And he came up with a game plan and, um, it put me on, on chemo. I was very fortunate to only get, uh, three months of chemo, um, which was the standard of care for the the kind that I have. They recently changed that it used to be you get six months of chemo for what I had. And it gets progressively worse if you go through it. I, I don't know how but you could really get through six months of that stuff, but, uh, uh, we, we made it through and, and, uh, there was some, you know, some tough days, some challenging days and, and, uh, um, uh, that, the last chemo you know, that I took was two, two types of one orally pills and the other one through a port that they installed near my right collarbone. Uh, and, um, got through it and, and you wait, wait a few weeks for you to get to ring the bell when you, get through your treatment and wait a few weeks and come back and you know get scans and blood tests and other things and get and I'm very blessed to get the news that, that uh I'm cancer free. I'll be under surveillance for probably at least three years, which is some sort of test or uh either a scan or a colonoscopy or a blood test every every three months and, and you know, just to make sure that if if it does come back somewhere else then we'll catch it really early. But um, the sense that I got in you know, dealing with it was, you know, it, it 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 wasn't much fun. But when you start going to a cancer center like MD Anderson, and you look around, and there, there's always people that gosh have it so much worse than what you could possibly imagine. And and uh, I I learned real quick when when you're going to a cancer center, there's no bitching because no matter what you got, there's somebody else sitting on your right and on your left. They've got it worse. But the the thing that the last conversation I had with Dr. Kopetz before I left, and I, I said, Doc, let me make sure I've got this right. I said, I feel like I was blessed in that you guys caught this early in screening. And uh that allowed you to have a full toolbox to use all of these different things that you have these days to help me beat this cancer. And had I not had that screening, what would have happened is a year, two years, five years down the road, I, I would have a symptom. I'd have some bleeding or something would hurt, and I'd come in to see you guys, and you would say, "Um, go ahead and get your affairs in order. You got about six months left." And and uh, I said, "But because I got the screening, you guys caught it early. Now my prognosis is excellent, and and I you've got a good chance of living the rest of my life cancer free." He said, "That's correct." And I said, "Well, doc." I'm going to scream it from the tallest tree. Everybody that, that I can reach, get your cancer screening done because if they catch it early, they got so many different ways to save your life. And and I feel like that's exactly what happened to me. And Chris, I feel like that's my mission moving forward is just letting people know, you know, colon cancer, there's nothing embarrassing about getting a screen. I mean, you're asleep <laughs> and, and, uh, so many in particular men don't want to go in and get the colonoscopy. And if you go do it and and you got a problem, it will absolutely save your life because that's what happened to
3: me.
4: Charlie, you mentioned my
0: family and my brother-in-law is currently battling stage four colon cancer. For, For everyone out there who currently is either dealing with cancer or has a loved one or a friend who is, I can't imagine what it feels like to have chemo drugs running through your body and the emotional roller coaster that cancer takes you on. What advice can you give us for how to take care of and support, like I say, a friend, loved one, whoever it is, who has cancer? What's the right way
2: to interact
0: with somebody that is going through the things that you went through?
2: Well, that, that, that's a wonderful question. And, and I would encourage people, um, if, if you've, you've got a loved one that's dealing with any kind of cancer, pick up your, pick up your phone, send them a text. Text is the best way to do it. Just, just say, Hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. You're, you're, you're on my mind. And, and that, that's the very best way to do it because when you're on the chemo, you have some days where you just don't want to talk to anybody. I mean, I, I had quite a few days where i would just go, go, go to the house and turn the AC down to 60 and, get under the covers and curl up in a big ball, you know, in those days I didn't, I do not want to talk to anybody, but it sure meant a lot to me, you know, when my phone would buzz and I'd look over there and there's a text from a friend or a family member or a business associate. And and oftentimes I'd pick, pick it up and, you know, call them back. But I think a lot of times people think, you know, I've got, I've got a, have got a friend that's sick. I don't want to bug them. So they they don't reach out. Just, just send a text. That That is the best way to do it. And, and, it means so much more uh, than you could possibly imagine. Knowing that someone is is thinking about you is praying for you, and and uh, I, I believe in the power of prayer, and certainly something that's is very very powerful. And and um, I was aware of a lot of folks praying for me, and it's something that I was very 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 appreciative of.
0: Charlie, you you mentioned ringing the bell. Talk about what that moment was like for you when you got to step inside what looks like a little phone booth in there and, and put your hand on that bell and, and, and ring it knowing that what that means is I've, at least right now, I'm cancer free and I've beat this thing.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a couple of things about
2: cancer. Number one, it's, it's, um, it's a team sport um and especially as men we're, we're used to carrying the ball we don't really want anybody to help us out when you go through cancer you 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 got to have a team that helps you out you yes, you're a medical team but you got to have the you know the folks around you i mean i'm, I'm blessed my wife who's who's a, an angel she's an rn i don't know how i would have got through this whole thing without having her with me every step of the way but but uh um you just you know sometimes you gotta let somebody else carry the ball and 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 uh um you 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 gotta do that you know when when you're dealing with cancer and it and it's just it's it's emotional um you you're on this roller coaster and you you have some good days and then you you know then you have some bad days coming off the chemo and and when you're looking you know on those bad days and you're like oh my gosh i you know i gotta get through three more cycles of chemo, I'm never gonna get there. And then when you finally get there and you've done that that last round of treatment, and they say you get to go ring the bell, um, you know, I, I was I was very very emotional, very grateful. I was happy to be standing there. Um and and uh it just the the things that run through your mind when you get a chance to do that are uh um you know just just really challenging and you know, it, it literally bring a grown man you know, to, to, to his knees and, 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 and tears. And, and, uh, you know, for, for me, um, I don't, I don't live my life in fear of death. I know where I'm going. Um, you know, when, when I die, but, uh, I, I, I've got a lot of, you know, I've got a Grant and a grandchild. I've got two, you know, two wonderful sons, a wife, and, you know, a lot of family. I've got a lot of things that, you know, at 54 that I want to do here. And, and, uh, um you know when my time's up my time's up i'm mean, I've, I've lived three or four lives and you know and once so i'm grateful for what i've had but I, i'm sure glad to know the big man uh is planning on keeping me around for at least a little bit longer at least and 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 you know those are the kinds of things that you know really run through your mind when you're dealing with something that's you know potentially could put you in the grave and and uh, it, it's just uh things you don't deal with on a daily basis and and um emotional things and spiritual things and you know a lot of uncomfortable things that you you normally push to the side but you you want to make sure you're you know your your insurance your life insurance is paid up your will is done everything is squared away i mean stuff that you just don't think about on a normal basis that you have to deal with when you've got a diagnosis like that and 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 a lot of ways it just seems surreal and uh when you get to ring that bell and and you you know you've Still got some more work to do, but you've done the majority of it. it. It really is emotionally overwhelming.
0: Charlie, the last two years, particularly for you, but for all of us, has, has been a crazy, the craziest time in my lifetime. I mean, you went through cancer. You've gone through the pandemic. Do you ever think that you'd see a time when you'd get excited to find gold bond available somewhere online? <laughs>
2: You, you know, that's, that's funny. You, you, uh, I tweet a lot and most of the time it's pretty silly stuff, but I, I'm going to tell you what, when you're a big man like me and you're 54 years old and you've spent most of your life on a golf course, uh, gold bond is a big part of your life. And, and, uh, I, I, I have a really hard time finding gold bond right now. And, uh, my wife found something the other day, I think at walmart.com, but it, the normal places it's gone. I don't know what happened to it. But my life without gold bond is not as good as it is with gold bond. I, I mean, I, I haven't I haven't left the house in over forty years without using gold bond. I'm not gonna tell you where I put it, but I, and all of a sudden I can't find it. It's panic time for me. So I'm, I'm glad that my wife found it. And I think I got a case of it now. So I'm good for at least about six months, I think. <laughs>
0: Charlie, along with all of your other duties, you're also the executive vice president at the Macklemore. It was a wonderful partner with me in the show. Talk about what you're doing there.
2: Well, Macklemore is just is a wonderful place, and and uh, while I grew up in South Carolina, I was born uh, near Chattanooga, Tennessee, and and all my family is is in this area, and uh, um, I had heard of Macklemore, but I hadn't been on the property and. And uh gosh close to about three years ago now through a family connection. Uh I, I went up to look at the property and and the principal there, the the president is is uh uh first day I'd ever met him is, is Dwayne Horton and uh now we're we're very close friends and, and uh but but uh I walked on the property, I took one look around and I looked at Dwayne Horton and I said, I don't know what this is gonna look like, but I'm in here. I wanna be involved. And, and, uh, so I, I started, um, started out to, to, uh, just sort of do a little bit of consulting there and, and they included me in more and more of their meetings and, and the ownership group is just absolutely magnificent. It's a wonderful group of people and, and, uh, they, they want it to be a really special place and, and, and it is. And they, they do business in the right way and they treat people right. And, and, uh, so, uh, a little over a year ago, they, asked me to be a bigger part of the team and, and hired me as executive vice president. And, uh, um, it, it allows me to use the part of my brain that is a PGA professional. And, and, uh, uh, it, it's just been, uh, a, a joy to, to, to work for them. And, and I've got some other things I do in the world of golf as well, but, but, um, everybody seems to get along well with me doing multiple things, but it's, uh, um the golf course of recognition is received most notably golf digest putting in the top one hundred courses of public access um that that's something that's very exciting for us uh we We've got a magnificent two hundred million dollar hotel project that's right at fifty percent complete and uh very excited uh we've got um a new golf course that's under construction in fact I'm on site probably at least two or three times. A week, uh, most weeks, um, Reese Jones and, and Bill Bergen, who teamed up to do the redesign of our existing course. This is a brand new design. It's called the Outpost, and uh, it, it's, uh, I, I think, going to uh, stir things up um, in the world of golf. We've got a piece of property, Chris. I don't know if you had a chance to get over and look at it, but it's about 480 acres and uh, not a single house on the property. And, and, uh, we've got a mile and a half of cliff edge and every inch of that cliff edge is filled up with golf. Holes. And, uh, so it, it's, uh, going to be something super special. And both the the new golf course and the hotel will come online, um, probably late spring in 2024. And, and, uh, when that happens, I think we can go toe to toe with just about any facility in the country. And, and, uh, just a very energizing place it's a spiritual place we're on lookout mountain just a little south of chattanooga at about 22 2300 feet of elevation that allows us to have big grass greens which is which is something that that you don't see a whole lot more you don't see a whole lot of these days in the southeast and, and our superintendent ryan emerson does a great job so it's just a special place a great team and and uh, I'm, I'm i'm thrilled that i get a chance to to have a small role and something that I think is going to be significant in the world of golf.
0: Charlie, just a couple more before I let you go, and I want to talk a little bit about your show. And right out of the gate, I got to ask you, you had Paige Spiranak on your show not all that long ago. How'd you get your wife to agree to that?
2: (laughs) Well, my my wife's with me all the time, at all times. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Paige is page is great and and uh thrilled thrilled to have her uh on, on the show she she's uh she's a lot of fun she has got a lot of things to say and and uh she, she's uh, really an excellent golfer as well and we we were happy to have her on the show and and uh, we're we're season 2 now last year we were on CBS Sports but we're we're on ESPN2 and and, uh, generally on Sunday mornings at, at, uh, eight o'clock Eastern time. And, and, uh, we, we've had some really neat celebrities along with Paige. Uh, I got uh, most recently the shows, um, had Sterling Sharp on, uh, this past week's show and, and, uh, he, he is wonderful. He, he's an old friend and he's normally pretty stoked. He doesn't talk a lot. I, Chris, I could, we were driving out to like the 14th hole in my golf cart that we have hooked up with GoPros and drones flying around and camera guys and all this. I couldn't get him to to shut up. I'm, I'm like, Sterling, wait, we haven't started taping yet.
3: He, he's like, but i got a lot to say. I said,
2: I'm out. And he never went. Finally, we just rolled. I, I couldn't even get to the start point of the show. And uh, Sterling was great. Um We've got a show coming up. Uh, there's an actor, Brian Baumgartner, who's one of my all-time favorite shows, um, The Office on NBC. He plays the, the beloved character, uh, Kevin, from The Office. You know, the big guy that you know, doesn't have a whole lot of to say, but is really funny. And, and, in fact, I'm going to be over at Myrtle Beach this weekend. Brian's going to be over. There's a famous episode of The Office where um, he made a big, giant pot of chili, and he spilled it all over The Office. And that's turned into a uh, thing uh he's tied in with the folks that do the world chili cook off and he's got a cookbook and um that, that the world chili cook off is in uh, Myrtle Beach this weekend and I get to be a judge with Brian Baumgartner, Kevin from the office so I'm I'm very excited about that this weekend but um he he, he was a great guest and, and uh, so we've had Ray Romano that Dustin Johnson it's it's been uh it's been a good year with, with a lot of fun guests, and and I try to get everybody relaxed as as you do. I take I take tips from professional interviewers like like you, and and try and apply what I see, but get get folks comfortable and talking, and you get them in a golf cart and you're riding around. I think generally get a little bit different kind of answer than if you're in a more formal studio setting. So, it's been fun taping that show, and, in Myrtle Beach and, and of course I represent Myrtle Beach and about 80, 80 golf courses down there. And, and, uh, uh, I've split my time between the Chattanooga area and Myrtle Beach. And so I'm, I'm very fortunate. I feel like I'm on vacation, whether I'm in Chattanooga or Myrtle Beach. That's a, that's a good way to feel. So, uh, it's, it's, uh, been a lot of fun between my duties at Myrtle Beach and, and the, and the ESPN 2 show and, and being able to be, be, uh, a part of the Macklemore team.
0: Charlie, speaking about making people feel comfortable, one of my favorite episodes that you've done is with you and John Daly. You're out there playing a few holes with J.D. who's wearing sandals and hit some shots barefoot. Talk about uh, (laughs) getting to spend some time with J.D.
3: Yeah, J.D.,
2: um, going back to playing days, um, I've always had a good relationship with him, and and, um, he's a guy that... uh, Uh, I think he's a little misunderstood. Um, and, and, um, you know, JD is, he's, he's had a lot of self-inflicted damage. He's been honest about it. Um, which, which I think the the fans really respond to, uh, someone just straight up being, yeah, I wasn't so smart about that. And, 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 uh, yeah, I was was pretty dumb about this. And, and and he sort of lived his life, you know, as an open book, and and uh, still to this day, the response that he gets from fans is 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 uh, re- really impressive and uh, very very engaging, and and uh, he's uh, he's been a you know good friend over the years, and and uh, you know I, I my friendships, you know, I definitely am not judgmental towards towards friends or really anybody but but um yeah i've seen him do some things i'm like oh man i wish he wouldn't have done that but but um he deep down he's got a huge heart and and uh he he's he's um uh done a lot of good for a lot of people and he really hasn't gotten that much credit for it because pe- people tend to focus on the negative stuff but it's just like anything else you know it, everything in life is not black or white there's a lot of gray and and that's and that's where he exists and and. uh I don't like the Santa Claus look right now with him. I, I wish he'd say that. <laughs> beard. Did you see, did you see at the father son event last year in December where he, he had a full blown Santa suit? And I mean, he was dead ringer for Santa, but, uh, <laughs> he, he's a hot mess. He's a good friend. I love him to death. I w- wish him the best. And, and, uh, I know he's going through health struggles as well right now, but, uh, he is, uh, hopefully that that interview gave you know, a little bit different insight into him than maybe, maybe you get in some other places.
0: Charlie, before I let you go, remind our listeners again how they can stay up to date with you, whether that's listening or, or watching your TV show, following you online, or it's over social media.
2: Yeah, sure. So Twitter, I try to keep everything up to date on, on the Twitter. That's the only social media I do. Uh, I'm barely able to learn how to do that, but it's uh, at Charlie Romer PGA. Um, Also, you can uh, uh, go to the uh, website, com. Some of the writing I do, the links to the shows that are on ESPN2 are over there as well. So between Twitter, Charlie Romer, PGA, and com, you can keep up with uh, uh, what what it is that I'm up to.
0: Well, Charlie, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. So glad you are here tonight. You're a treat, my friend, and I am excited. You got to ring the bell, and I look forward to all the great things that you're going to do. And I hope you come back and join me again sometime before too long.
2: Well, yeah, my, my pleasure, Chris. Great work as as always, and and uh, uh, congratulations on the success of the show. And and uh, it's a real honor for you to have me on. And uh, any time uh, any time that you need me, I'm happy to come on and chat about anything.
0: I appreciate that very much, Charlie. All the best to you and your family, my friend. Look forward to catching up soon.
5: Thank you. Take care. See you, Charlie.
0: That is the great Charlie Reimer, folks. At Charlie Reimer PGA where you can find him on social media. And the Charlie Reimer Golf Show is about as good as it gets for golf on TV from an interview perspective. Charlie is a fantastic interviewer. He's a great human being, and they have so much fun when they're out there. Driving around, like you heard him talk about during the segment, driving around on the golf cart and playing a few holes of golf and chatting along the way, it is just the best golf show to watch on TV. And Charlie is a wonderful human being. I am so glad that he got to ring the bell at the end of all of his uh, cancer treatments and that sort of thing. And I am looking forward to having him back on the show many, many times. Before I get to my next guest, Chris Carter, I want to remind you about a couple of our friends, starting with the folks over at Strixon Cleveland Golf. Your best performance starts with the right golf ball at Strixon. A global leader in golf ball technology and innovation, Strixon offers a wide variety of award-winning golf balls for golfers of every skill level. Whether you're searching for a tour performance golf ball or a distance golf ball with incredible feel, Strixon provides the best golf balls at incredible prices. Strixon offers a wide variety of personalized options while also developing a highly visible colored golf ball as well. Select the right golf ball for your game today and trust it with Shrixon. Check them out online at Shrixon.com. S-R-I-X-O-N.com. Find the right golf ball for your game today. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Sun Mountain. There's a company nestled in the valley of Missoula, Montana, that embodies the essence of quality, function, and innovation, and that's Sun Mountain which started building golf bags back in 1981. They are an industry leader in golf bags, travel covers, outerwear, and push carts. With flagship products that you've come to know, like the C-130 cart bag, the 2.5 ultralight stand bag, the club glider travel cover, the speed cart, and Rainflex rain gear, Sun Mountain continues its quest to provide the very best in golf products to every range of golfer. Visit them online at sunmountaingolf.com to look at their amazing products. Okay, now next on the T with me is Chris Carter. Chris is the chairman and CEO of Aproyo. He's also a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. And he's the owner and editor of Sports Geeks USA, which is one of the best sports radio networks out there. We've known each other for years, but this is the first time that I've got to have him as part of the show. And I'm very excited he is here and next on the tea with me tonight. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining me.
6: Hey, Chris, it's great to talk to you again. It's been a while, my friend, and, man, I'm so happy for all your success. I listen all the time, and I'm just honored I finally get to be on the
4: show with you.
0: <laughs> yes, I am honored to have you as part of it, my friend. Uh, Chris, talk about the things that you're doing. Talk about Sports Geeks USA and the radio network you've put together.
6: Yeah, um, thanks, Chris. It's uh, It's been a labor of love. You know, I've, I've always loved sports. Um, from playing uh, sports all my life, um, you know, getting the Double A baseball, and I'm watching my two daughters grow up and her their friends um, play sports, and I've always had a passion for people who played sports the right way. Uh, and sometimes you got to call them out on. Them. Sometimes you got to uh, sit down and you got to have some honest conversations with people who, who mess up a little bit around the. Don't necessarily. Uh, maybe they hit do the wrong hit, uh, and they're taking. You gotta take them to task on on activities in life. But you know, Sports Geeks USA is about that. There's geeks out there, there's sports people out there who enjoy it. It doesn't matter who you are, what your what you believe in, what your politics, what your lifestyle is. If you love sports, the Sports Geeks Radio Network is some place to have a conversation. Talk about sports. We don't want to have the arguments that are out there. You know, I, one of my good friends is, is Mad Dog. And sometimes she just gets a little carried away. And I have to be like, dude, <laughs> dude, dude, your blood pressure meds, get your blood pressure
3: meds off. <laughs> and we want
6: to have conversations. We want to talk. We want to have, but it's all in good conversation. And I, I'm, I'm huge on that. Chris, as you've known over the years, communication is key. No matter if it's with your wife, your children, your employees, your staff. Um, Friends, your Yankees versus Red Sox, Dodgers versus Padres, the Buffalo Bills
4: versus whoever this week. It's all about
6: good communication, the love of
4: sports.
0: So, Chris, I got to get your thoughts on, on Wisconsin sports, uh, particularly right now with the, your Milwaukee Brewers. Think they still got a chance to make the postseason?
6: They, they got a chance. Uh, you know, we, we keep an eye on them. They're there are several games over 500 right now. Uh, they're playing the Mets. Um, Willie Domus has been hitting the par out of the ball lately. Um, you know, he's got more homers at the shortstop position than, than anybody else. He's hit, uh, he hit over 30 again, um, uh, this year. So fantastic to see him doing this. Wisconsin's got great sports, but the big thing and for you and I, man, we have some golf courses up here, Chris. Yeah, uh, we saw a little golf event last year that uh, that kind of put the number one most points on those international boys last year. But uh, yeah, we got right? some great courses
3: too. So,
0: yeah, so talk about that because I think I think Wisconsin golf is very underrated. I mean, we all know about Whistling Straits and and Aaron Hills, but you have got a lot of other great golf courses that fly under the radar that people don't know enough about.
6: Oh my gosh, Chris, it is incredible. Sure, you get to the student, them, but think about this. We, we're going to have the senior open at Century World in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Um, Century Insurance, of course, owns the facilities and put millions into it after they uh, decided to renovate it a couple of years ago. Phenomenal track. We got a track in the upper northern part of Wisconsin. Um, about, about three hours now from uh, Milwaukee that Completely renovated. It's, it's a, a brand new facility that is, uh, uh, 18 or 36 holes, excuse me, plus, um, the dunes out there. Phenomenal facility. You got the bull that is being renovated that is in Sheboygan County over there by the Aaron Hills. And, and still, I, I personally feel, and maybe it's because I worked there and I was very fortunate to be Mr. Kohler's caddy a couple of times. Whistling uh Blackwell Front. You've got the Meadow Valley course. You've got the river course, the original courses where they used to play the Anderson consulting world tournament, just still outstanding courses. And you can still go down to Geneva national and you can play a player course, a Trevino course or a Nicholas course. And this state is so blessed. I can't play them all in a year. And, and, be honest, I don't know if I want to. My body's falling apart from playing so many rounds
3: of golf. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: yeah, Chris, why does why does Wisconsin golf go so far under the radar? Why are, why don't we know enough about the great places that you have to play there?
6: I think it's one word that comes into it, and it's weather. Everybody thinks of Wisconsin; they think of cold. Um, they don't. They don't do their research. And you know, we're very fortunate that, uh, the state of Wisconsin. Golf Magazine ranked them in the upper echelons of states to go and play course play golf at. Um, and you know, Mr. Kohler, uh, God rest his soul, just passed away last week. Uh, he really promoted that. You know, if it wasn't for him, Aaron Hills wouldn't have been developed. If it wasn't for him, the Bull wouldn't have been developed. You know, they've got more courses that they're going to develop on the other side of Whistling Straits that he wants to do, um, and so. He really put an effort into it with his hotels and and to really push the envelope up here and bringing bringing fans and bringing golfers to Wisconsin in cold and inclement weather. You've never played a course until you got to Whistling Straits and you played that course the opening weekend in March when snow is flying and rain is flying and you're up against that Lake Michigan, (laughs) you'd swear to God you're in Ireland you truly swear to God
0: that maybe you're playing one of the status courses. It's incredible. Wow. No, no doubt. Trust me. I'm I'm excited to, you know, as I was doing the research for you coming on the show and looking at some of those courses outside of Aaron Hills and, and Whistling Straits, which obviously we're all dying to play. Looking into some of the others like the Bull, I, I got to get to Wisconsin. I got to tee it up there. That place is fantastic. I'll tour you around. Chris, let's switch gears a little bit. And we'll bit. go. There you go. You got it. What's you the go. next one? The main topic around the game of golf right now is obviously live golf and the
5: PGA tour. Yeah.
0: Um, give me your thoughts. What, what do you, is, is live golf? Is it, is it good for professional golf? Is it bad for professional golf? What are your thoughts?
6: Yeah. You know, that's a great question. And I, I, I have these conversations with folks all the time on the, uh, with the sports geeks radio network,
4: uh, SGRN.
6: uh, I tend to take politics out of life. Uh, I, I realize that country, what people think, what people do, Things that have happened. I look at it as a sport. You've got golf. I love golf. I think my own personal opinion and
4: I, there are others who believe my golf is great. And no matter how you're playing your golf game, it's great. And
6: I look at this as an event or as an opportunity now in life for us golfers and for the tourists. Now mind you, there's 24 different tours. 23 different tours, and Liv is actually 24 different tour out there. 23 of them have the official world golf ranking activities, which, mind you, they just changed their world golf ranking concepts um, this week. It's official as of August. Um, I think, personally, Liv is a good thing. I like the team events. Notice the PGA didn't start to do anything until after. Live started, and they saw the popularity of that. Are there some things that Live should change? Absolutely. First year out of thing, fifth event out there. There's some things that they need to possibly change. Great, but the PGA has things that they need to change as well. They need to come to Jesus, and they also need to say, you know what, we're we've got we've got problems in our own house. We need to clean those up to make us a better tour. Like I'll give you an example, Chris. I love golf so much. I had no idea the Fortnite tournament was going on this past weekend, and Max, who was the highest ranked golfer in the event, won the event. No, didn't even didn't even see it on my radar. I was following live all weekend. I had it on my dish. I was listening to Faraday. I was excited about it. I'm right down here. I I ended up going down to Chicago after I got home from Orlando. Uh, I I like it. Uh, I take the politics out, take everything else out of it, and I look at golf. But yet, I think both groups need to tweak some things if they're going to come together. And I also think Liv needs to tweak some things if they're going to become part of the official world golf um, activities on there. And I, and and one other point on that. I also think that the OWGR made some changes. And and as a matter of fact, I, I walked through their 20-point presentation that they have on their website now, if they weren't gearing this towards the folks at Live, I don't know. Because even Brandel Stambley made a comment on at the President's Cup today. It sure does look like this fits what they're trying to do at Live, but this has been in the works since 2017. So there are some things such as core setup is now is involved, field sizes. Cut sizes, how those um, setups and how they they don't need to do what they used to do, and they're taking more of the metrics from today's metrics on the field sizes and how many- um, how many events you play and you can get a zero point one um, rating I think that they're gonna work something out I think they're gonna become a tour and I think that they're gonna both work together to figure out do you need to be a seventy
4: two Event. Look at what they did with the hero event. You know, and again, I'm going to quote the guy, Brandall Chambly. Liked his commenting. He was a
6: professional golfer. He's gotten further ahead in golf than I ever will in my life. He's opinionated. Love it. I love it when people talk, sometimes a little too much, but he made a comment um, in regards
4: to them calling them traitors, calling them this and that. Um,
6: I don't like those types of comments to those people you don't know what's happening in that man's dining room table with him and his wife sitting across from each other why they're making that decision what's best for them i think we need to calm down the rhetoric a little bit look at it from a golfer standpoint and look and see how we can advance the game of golf together
0: Just a couple more before I let you go. I want to get, get your thoughts. How do you think that, how do you think the majors are going to end up dealing with the the guys that have gone over to live? Do you think the past champions are going to be allowed to come back, invited back to play in the majors and the players championship? Or do you think they come out and get behind the PGA tour and ban the players that have left to go to live?
6: So they should allow any past champion to play. If you won the Masters, you got a lifetime pass. You should be allowed to come back. Side on you are a champion. Yeah. You should come back. Cam Smith, he won, oh, he won two of the majors this year. Should be allowed to come back and play in his event next year. He's allowed, according to the rules and regulations of the major tournament, which only one is run by the PGA of America. If they want to say, nope. We're no longer gonna allow that, well then they, they need to start looking in the mirror. Because if you're just gonna cut them out for that. You know, I I, I take this I, I made this comparison to somebody the other day. Jumbo Ozaki. When Jumbo was over in Japan, he crushed it. He was killing it. He was the number one Japanese player forever. Came over to the States, that dude couldn't play for
4: squaduce.
6: And it was still <laughs> in the top ten though was always in the top 10 rankings because of the way that it was set up in Japan. Now, was that right? No, not necessarily. But that's why you make modifications and work with each other on why, and what, how a field is, ranked, how the course is ranked and set up compared to, that's why they always say majors are more difficult because the courses are set up to bring out the best and the best players. Well, when you have the best players playing in these live events, who are some of the top players in the world right now. How can you not say that some of those courses are not the best in the world? Because they absolutely are, according to Golf Magazine. They're some of the best golf course. Pumpkin Ridge. Pumpkin Ridge is no longer a, a top five course. Come on, Brando Chamblee. You need to, you need to <laughs> check that ego at the door.
0: Chris, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with what you're doing and stay up to date with all the things that you're doing over there at SGRN, and then follow you online and on social media.
5: Oh, yeah, I
6: appreciate it. So the first one, of course, is always on Twitter. Um, I I can be found. I'm personally the Milwaukee Sports Geek. I'm MKE Sports Geek um, on my Twitter. Um, I also have my some of my personal on Twitter. I think we have right now like 18 or 19 different sports geeks, different Twitter feeds that uh, we run. Plus my other companies that I deal with, um, that I do sponsorships and corporate activities with. Um, and then, you know, you can always go to our website, hear us uh, in our our uh, stations. You know, we like to say that we're the uh, we're the common man's barstool sport. So uh, feel free to uh, pick us up anytime around there. And you know, we're always looking for good conversation.
0: Chris, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come and be a part of this show. I hope you'll come back, share more of your thoughts, and then update us on all the great things going on in Wisconsin golf sometime soon, my friend. You're a treat,
6: Chris, my buddy. Uh, next time you're up here, give me a call. We'll go play hit uh, hit the sticks, and then we'll go get some good food up at the American Club up in Kohler.
0: I look forward to it. Take care, Chris. All the best Thank to you, you and your family. We'll catch up soon. You too. Cheers. Thanks, Chris. That is Chris Carter. Again, MKE Sports Geek is where you can find him on social media. Sports Geeks USA is the radio network that he's put together. And like he talked about, Wisconsin golf is fantastic. Way under the radar for all of us. Love to get up there sometime and check out all the fantastic golf courses that they have available up there. And look forward to having Chris back as, as he talks about more of the great golf courses that there are up there that we can put together. It's not just Aaron Hills, and it's not just Whistling Straits. There's a bunch of great golf courses in Wisconsin. Chris is doing a great job with his radio network on all the great things. It's not just golf. Like he said, check him out online and give him a follow on Twitter. Before I get to my next guest, Liberty DeVito, I want to remind you about a couple more of our friends, starting with the folks over at Adele Golf. Two Under Men's Performance Briefs have just released their new Spring and Summer 22 collections with fun, new, and exciting prints like the Freedom 2 and 3, Santa Fe, Tigers, Zebras, and Duckies, and their new exclusive Folds of Honor collection where they donate 20% of all Folds of Honor sales proceeds to that cause. The patented Joey Pouch technology delivers maximum comfort, fit, and performance while preventing any unwanted skin-on-skin contact or chafing. Good for anything from the golf course, to the boardroom, to the bedroom. You can find these 200 performance briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shields sports stores, all PGA Tour superstores, Golf Galaxy, Dillard's, and other fine retailers near you. You can also order them online at 200.com. That's the number 2, UNDR.com. 200, performance in your pants. Use code NEXT20, that's nxt T E E 20 for a 20% discount on the two under website. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at golf Pride. We deal with a lot on the golf course, whether you're teeing off in front of a crowd, hitting a four iron after a rain delay, trying to figure out wind direction or second guessing club selection. It's easy for your mind to race. That's exactly what drove golf Pride to create the all new CPX. It's made with a unique EXO diamond quilted pattern reducing vibration in your hands on every shot. The EX Diamond Quilted Pattern really helps your hands sink into the club on every shot, giving you maximum comfort, because when your hands are comfortable, you're comfortable. CPX is available now on GolfRide.com or at your local retailer. Okay, now next on the tee with me is legendary drummer Liberty DeVito. We've all known Liberty as a drummer in the Billy Joel band for over three decades, but he's also been a session drummer and played on records that have sold over 150 million copies worldwide. He's from Brooklyn, New York. His father was a New York police officer. Liberty taught himself how to play drums. In 2013, he was inducted into the Classic Drummer's Hall of Fame. A year later in 14, he was inducted into the Long Island Music Entertainment Hall of Fame. He's recently written his memoir titled Liberty, Life. Billy and the Pursuit of Happiness, which you can buy on Amazon or better yet. Listen to him tell the story on Audible, and I am so thrilled. He is with me tonight here on Next on the Tea. Hey, Liberty, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, man. Sounds great.
0: Liberty, fun. I want to start by going, going back to when it all started for you. When I was reading your book, you talk about your passion for the drums really starting out at about the age of one and a half. When you're beating on pots and pans in the kitchen, is that where your passion
1: for playing the drums came from? You know, it's funny. Uh, later on in my career, I asked my dad. You know, he bought me drums. I always loved music, but he bought me drums at one point. And I asked him later on in my career, after I had met it with Billy, I said, why did you buy me drums? And he said, because they didn't make Prozac when you were a kid. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess I... <laughs> so, so, yeah, I guess I... To uh, bang on the pots and pans and everything. I used to have to sit uh, in study hall in, in, in high school. I used to have to sit directly across from the teacher because I used to just tap my drumsticks on the on the desk all the time or bang on the desk with my hands. And so they made me sit right across from the teacher so I wouldn't do that. You know, I was banging on everything.
0: Liberty, talk Always about fun. who yeah. Gene Krupa is and the impact that that he and Ringo Starr had on your career.
1: Well, my mom loved Jean Krupa. You know, uh, she used to go, uh, cut school to see Frank Sinatra sing and all, everything like that. She was the one that really got me into music and she was the one that really enjoyed while I was practicing the drums. She always knew where I was because she could hear me from the basement. And, uh, my dad was the one that, that he liked the fact that I was, was doing something with my life, <laughs> but, uh, he, Used to go to see more movies when I used to practice the drums. But, um, yeah, Gene Cooper was, <laughs> Gene Cooper was the first one that I actually listened to. I, you know, I know this is a golf show and there's a great story about Buddy Rich, the other great drummer, uh, that was around the same time as Gene Cooper and lived longer than he did. Buddy Rich used to go golfing all the time. One day he had such a bad game, bad game. He got so upset. He took all his clubs, bag, and everything, and threw them in the lake. Right, threw them right in the pond. <laughs> and he and stormed off. Five minutes later, he comes back. Everybody who was playing with him sees him just roll up his pants and walk into the pond, grab his bag. He forgot his keys to his car were
3: in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's <great. laughs> Yeah,
1: you know. I played golf, uh, we'll get off the drums for a little bit. I played golf, I lived in Florida for nine years. I lived in Orlando. Played on Disney courses, played on all that kind of stuff. And the one thing that I used to say after a game of golf was, thank God I've already had a career, because I was so bad at it. (laughs) (laughs) Did did you try to teach yourself
0: how to play golf, just like you taught yourself how to play drums?
1: Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was it, impossible. It's one of the hardest things I ever did. You know, eventually I asked my wife, I said, uh, golf course or intercourse? And she bought me a new set of clubs, you know. So, um,
4: <laughs> 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 where were some of the places you like to play?
1: Um, You know, I can't remember the names of it, but <laughs> because when we used to go out there, you know, it was so much fun. And it kind of got. After the, uh, you know, a couple of holes getting blurry, you know, things were, <laughs> 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 you know, uh, th- there's this, this Arizona children's charity that I play, uh, the band that, that I have get together and we play this Arizona children's charity. It's in, uh, Greenville, South Carolina and it has a rolling cart with, with all kinds of booths. <laughs> And it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I don't know how anybody can <laughs> play golf. <laughs> it, it's pretty insane, you know. I know that. No, of course. Really take it really take it seriously, like Alice Cooper and, and his, a couple of guys in his band. My friend Damien Johnson, who played with Alice Cooper, he he he's very serious about golf. You know, and uh, you know I've never been a serious sports guy. But I have to become serious now because now you've got me on the show. and and, um, (laughs) You know, and and my daughter, one of my daughters is dating the the manager of the Chicago Cubs. Wow. Now I have to learn about baseball. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How can you say you need to learn about
1: baseball? Everywhere I turn, I see a picture of you in a Yankees hat. Well, that's right, because the other guys in the Lords of 52nd Street, the band that I'm in now, are such Yankee freaks. You know, it, it's crazy. <laughs> we go down. Richard Cannata, Richard Cannata plays the Star of Banner at Yankee Stadium all the time. And we go down for spring training and hang out with all the Yankees. It, 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 it's wow. crazy, you know. Yeah. It's really crazy.
0: So, Liberty. I got obviously. I need to ask you about you know meeting up with Billy and 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 all of that. But when talk about the club where you made where you met Billy and and one of my all time favorite songs is a remake of "You Keep Me Hanging On" by Vanilla Fudge. Didn't you meet those guys and Billy in the same club?
1: Yes, the, the my house on on uh, in Playview, Long Island. Um, I was in a band called the New Rock Workshop. Billy was in the band called the Hassle. And, uh, we were both kind of house bands in that place and we played together on the same night. And I would watch Billy and Billy would watch me. That's how we, we first met. We would pass in the dark and just say hi. Uh, I knew he was talented when, uh, he played a song by a band that I loved, a band called Traffic. And he did a song called Colored Raid, Billy. And I thought, oh man, this guy's really good. But in that same club, is where I met the Vanilla Fudge. It was the first time I had, had ever seen them play, and in a piece just blew me away. I mean, the way he played the drums was 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 so aggressive that I, I, it, he frightened me, actually. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah. So, you know, my, my love for drums went from Ringo. That's when I first took it serious, when the Beatles were on the television show. So Ringo first. Then Dino Danelli from the Rascals, the Young Rascals, because he showed me that a drummer could be as much of a focus in a band as the lead singer. You know, he, I couldn't take my eyes off the Rascals when I saw Dino play. And then Carmine came with the power. So my style is a combination of a whole bunch of different drummers.
0: Liberty, talk about the difference between Liberty DeVito and Billy Joel's drummer. <laughs>
1: The difference between Billy Joel's drummer and Liberty DeVito is Billy Joel's drummer, uh, well, it used to be sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but now, now it's, uh, uh, it, it's four Advil, a Hershey's bar, and some icy hot rubbins. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> just to keep up with <laughs> We're doing it. That you're continuing to do it, you know. I mean, we made those records in the 70s, and now we're all in our 70s. You know, it's
0: crazy. <laughs> uh, you got to play in places that were really unthinkable back in the day, namely getting to go to Russia, playing in Cuba. Talk about your experiences playing in those places.
1: Well, Cuba was an exchange. Uh, thing that, that the Cuban government uh, decided to do with, with uh, CBS records at the time. It was 150 Americans went over and we played the Karl Marx Theater in Havana, Cuba. And for every American band that played, a Cuban band played. And I was quoted in the uh, New York Times as saying, if I hear one more conga drum, I'm going to run amok. But I really didn't say it like that. I said it with language that I can't use on the radio, <laughs> you know.
3: Because
1: <laughs> I would never say "run amok." <laughs> <You
3: know?
1: laughs> yeah. So that. Was what was cool. it like being
4: over in Russia?
1: Oh, uh, the Soviet Union, man! That, that was really intense. You know, before we went there, I had thoughts. You know, I grew up. In, in the generation when, it, when we were kids, we hid under the desk because the Russians were going to drop bombs on us. They were going to destroy us. Like the desk would do anything like <laughs> an atomic bomb, so <laughs> you know. So I'm going over there. I'm getting on the plane, thinking like I'm going to meet these
3: three-headed
1: monsters that breathe fire. You know, the enemy. We're going to see the enemy. We're going behind that wall that they built. We're going on the other side of the wall. And my name is Liberty. What am I doing?
3: <laughs> <laughs> y you,
1: you know? But when I got there, I mean, the people, it was just like sitting around for a family dinner. The people are beautiful everywhere we go. Anywhere we travel, you sit down with people, they're beautiful everywhere. You know, the governments are the ones that are fighting. Not the, the people don't want wars. The governments are the ones that, that you know, they, they start the trouble. Whatever. You know, it's crazy. One of the highlights, though, another highlight was playing Yankee Stadium. That. No uh, doubt. Yeah, that was done in the video and it's been being re-released in October of this year. They remixed it and they re, uh, they, uh, did HD it or whatever the hell you call it, you know, whatever the heck you call that. Uh, but it's coming out in October again. And I had just seen it in a the little theater. And it's pretty cool to watch again. It was, yeah, you know, I don't know how many years ago it was, but it was a long time ago. And I get to sing shout in it, the, the song shout. You know, by the Osley Brothers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Billy stuck Billy stuck the mic in my face because he forgot the words, and I just went
3: okay, <laughs> and I started singing. <laughs> uh,
1: it- you know, Liberty, you talk about power
0: and, and, and drumming and, and when I watched the Millennium concert that you guys did the night of New Year's Eve in nineteen ninety nine leading up to the new millennium, on yeah. the downbeat of the first song, which was Big Shot, you looked so intense and pounding on the drums as that song started. What was it had to be a huge adrenaline rush to come out and try to and, and entertain people at Madison Square Garden on oh. New Year's Eve for the millennium. What was that like?
1: You're, you're in the center of the world on uh, on the year two thousand. You know, you're going from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand. You're in the center of the world in Madison Square, Garden, sitting there, and I get to start off with the, with the the, the te- four count on the snare drum. You know, uh, people always ask me, "How do you hit the drum so hard?" Well, my secret is, I have a picture of my first ex wife on the snare drum, and my <laughs> second ex wife is on the top. There's Uncle Sam on the floor, Tom. (laughs) Uh, That's
4: awesome.
3: So that that (laughs) night had
0: to be insane. Like, that whole night had to be insane. What was it like being a part of that?
1: It it was insane. It was insane. And, you know, we we had to start the show and then time it so when when it hit uh, 12 o'clock, 12 midnight, the balloons fell and all that confetti and everything like that. So... It was interesting in the things that Billy chose to do to kind of waste time between songs. We played songs that we've never played before.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It was a lot of fun. You you
0: talked about you idolized the Beatles and Ringo was your guy. And I read in your book, you got a call from out of nowhere to do a session with the guy at first that they weren't going to tell you who it was with. And you already had, a, a, I believe, a wedding to go to that same day. I think it was Phil Ramone yep. was trying to get you to do it, do a gig, and they weren't going to tell you who it was. And and you pressed the issue, and you finally found out it was Paul McCartney. What about that <laughs> yeah. night?
1: Yeah, well, I get the phone call, and, and it's it, it Phil Ramone's assistant calling me up, Joe D'Ambrosio. And he he, he says to me, he goes, uh, Phil wants you to do this uh, session. It's on such and such a date. You gotta be there. I said, I can't. I gotta go to it's a wedding. It's, I'm the best man in a wedding. You gotta go. Oh no, you gotta cancel the wedding. <laughs> you gotta come to the session. I said, okay, who is it? I can't tell you. Come on, you gotta tell me. I gotta cancel the session. Boy, Are you crazy? Uh, I can't tell you. The guy goes on for about five minutes. I so can't tell me. Right? Finally he goes, okay, I'll tell you. It's Paul McCartney. I went, I'm gonna call you back in, in two minutes. Right? <laughs> so I go to my mom. <laughs> because I always went to my mother and I always asked her, what should I do? You know, I called my mom. I said, Mom, it's, it's, uh, I got to do this session. They want me to do it, but I got this wedding the same day. Uh, they want me to cancel the wedding. I don't know what I should do. And my mother says, oh no, Liv, you've got to go to the wedding. You told your friend you'd be in the bridal party. You've got to do it. You know? And then my mom finally says, who is it for? And I said, it's Paul McCartney. And she goes, Break the wedding. Forget it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, no, So I went to the session thinking like, this guy, what is he wrong with me? And the first thing that happened, this was when he was married to Linda, uh, his wife, Linda. And she walks in the studio first and she points right at me. She goes, I know who you are. We've been watching your videos. I'm like, are you kidding me? Paul McCartney's been watching my videos? You know, this is insane. And then he walks in and uh, Red Sea Park, let me tell you, he walked in, (laughs) he starts shaking hands, he shakes my hand, I say, I'm Liberty, I am Paul, and then he goes to the next guy and I back out of the control room into a hallway and I'm like, the devil is on one shoulder and the angel's on the other shoulder, the angel's saying, oh, he's just another musician like you are, and the devil's going, no, he's not, he's a Beatle. You know, going back and forth. It was insane. It was insane.
0: And you guys actually flipped roles at one point, right? Didn't you sit down at the drums and you started playing the drums and not to be showing up, you picked up a a guitar Uh, and started to play the uh, guitar.
1: uh, Yeah, well, he sat down on the drums. We did 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 two songs. In between the two songs, we took a break. You know, we ate pizza. We talked about children. It was nice. And uh, I, I wanted him to say the word Beatles. Because you know with the English accent they say Beatles the Beatles when I was with the Beatles you know he wouldn't say Beatles he called them the other band all the time when I was with the other band what other band <laughs> you know <laughs> so he gets that and when the break is over we go back in the studio and he sits down on the drums and he's playing the drums and he he's looking at me like he's playing the drums you know like I'm cool and I am cool. And the other guys come in and they start playing along with him. Finally, after 10 minutes, he stops playing, he gets off the drums. Now, I can play a little bit of guitar, and one song I can play is Blackbird. And so I pick up the, the acoustic guitar sitting next to me. I pick it up and I start playing Blackbird. And he stops dead in his tracks and he goes, Oh my God, you can play that? So I said, yes, I can. <laughs>
0: Liberty, when you guys were in the studio recording the Stranger album with Billy, I read that you guys hated "Just the Way You Are" and thought "Scenes from an Italian Restaurant" was way too long.
1: You guys ever say anything to Billy about that? Oh yeah, Billy was in agreement with us. "Just the Way You Are" almost didn't make it onto the album because we we wanted to be a rock band like you know, uh, you you know, uh, like the Stranger and stuff like that, you know. Those are the heavier rock songs and stuff. Just the way you are was kind of like, uh, oh, this is wimpy. But Linda Ronstadt and, and Phoebe Snow both came in the studio at the same time and we played them just the way you are for them. And they said, if you guys put that on the album, you'll get more girls than you know what to do with. Boom. It immediately went on the album. <laughs> Good call. And a woman loves
0: <laughs> Liberty, in the documentary Hired Gun, you said, if Billy's the father of all those songs, I'm at least the uncle. Is that
1: accurate? Yeah. That is accurate. You know, uh, Billy wrote the songs. When, when, when people think Billy Joel, because his name's on the cover, his picture's on the front cover, we're only on the back, they think Billy comes in the studio and tells us what to do. When we went into the studio, the first day, Billy might have had two or three songs that were maybe complete. That's all. just The chords and the words. We come up with the parts. We create the parts that, that you hear on the record. Uh, the drum beat or the guitar parts. Those are all created by the musicians that are in the room with Billy. You know, in the beginning of my book, Billy says that I took his classical training and made it into rock and roll. You know, I I'm the guy that didn't take lessons. Billy was a classically trained musician. So together, you know, he wrote the beautiful melodies and I took it to the street to to the common person, you know? Uh and it just seemed to work out like that. We we are niche. We we were from middle class blue-collar families, and we wrote that kind of music. And people were able to relate to us.
0: Liberty, this, is, uh, this show has obviously given me a lot of opportunities uh, from a golf perspective to meet a lot of my golf heroes. I have to imagine that your music and the things you did, you had to have met all your heroes. Who are some oh. of the incredible people
1: that, you know,
0: as a kid you, you dreamt about meeting, and suddenly you're standing in a room with them?
1: Well, of course, the Beatles, you know, I met two Beatles, uh, Paul, of course, and Ringo. When I first met Ringo, I walked up to him and I said, I I, I can't believe that I'm talking to you because you're the reason that I'm doing what I'm what I'm doing today. You're the reason I'm doing it. And he looked at me and he said, well, at least you're not blaming me for it.
4: Speaking of
1: heroes, go ahead. Oh, I was going to tell you. When I was in high school, everybody knew I wanted to be a drummer. And I loved the group traffic that Steve Winwood was in. And in my yearbook, I have people, they, they would write, keep your head together and one day you'll be playing Madison Square Garden, stuff like that. And somebody wrote, keep practicing and one day you'll play with Steve Winwood. Well, Steve Woodward played on the Bridge album with us. He played the organ on one of the songs called Getting Closer. And I brought my yearbook from high school into the studio and showed him. And I said, look at this. And he he looked at me and goes, oh, man, you're making me feel old. (laughs) Liberty, speaking of
0: heroes that I've met, we have a wonderful mutual friend, Matthew Lawrence who's been a hero of mine since I saw him in Eddie and the Cruisers. Talk about your relationship with Matt.
1: First, let me tell you something. We we would, I met him. We were doing these signings. You know, they have these fairs where, where you go and meet the stars of movies that you, you grew up watching or, or music that you listen to the people that were in the band and you you get their autographs and and signed pictures You take pictures with them. That's why I met Matthew. Now, my wife is an Eddie and the Cruises freak. My wife is is, is of that age. She's younger than I am. And um, she's, she's of that age, age. Eddie and the Cruises. So I, I walk in, and I'm in my position. And we're kind of like uh, an, on a corner. And Matthew and, and the guy that played Eddie is, is at the table. And I'm like, I can't believe this. I call my wife. Matthew immediately gets on the phone with her. He's on the phone. He's like talking and talking and talking. I'm thinking, okay, Matthew. Yeah, it's my wife. Hey, all right, man. (laughs) She loves the movie. Yeah. Now she loves you. (laughs) Okay. I can have a hard time getting home now. Thanks. No, but we struck up a relationship. We hung out like three days, went to dinners, went to good breakfast, you know, all the time. He's a great guy and he needs to come back to New York. (laughs) He's always threatening that he's going to come back to New York, and I always tell him I'll buy him pizza if he comes back. (laughs) He's a wonderful wonderful person. I love the guy.
3: Yeah, so do I.
4: I couldn't agree more. Big
1: things happy birthday to me every year.
4: (laughs) No,
5: look at that.
4: Liberty, one more before I let you go, and
1: you've written a wonderful children's book. Love Santa Claus. Talk about that. Yes. Coming out in October, Love Santa Claus. It's about uh, basically whether you believe in, in uh, the part of Christmas that uh, you go to church for, or if you don't, this is how Santa Claus got his job. You know, <laughs> this is how he got his gig. Uh, it, it talks ab- about how what happened uh, and why we celebrate Christmas. And, you know, the spiritual part of Christmas, but there is this one guy that brings around the toys that some people that believe in the spiritual part don't believe in the, the one that does the toys. But Christmas touches everybody. And so I just wanted to write a book about a little children's book about Santa Claus, how he got the gate and why he is Santa Claus.
0: Liberty, how can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? How can we follow you, whether it's online, it's on social media, wherever it is, get your book, listen to your book. Talk about all the ways we can stay up to date with you.
1: Okay. I'm on Facebook all the time. I'm on Instagram. Um, I um, uh, Amazon, my books on Amazon, both books on Amazon. The uh, Lords of 52nd Street is my band that we do all the, we're the guys that that played the original Billy Joel band myself russell Jabbers, and richard canada in the original billy joel band and uh we 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 tour around the country and you can find us on the lords of 52nd street uh website or facebook page i have another band called the slim kings another facebook page or website and uh yeah you can uh, i'll give you my address hold on you can come by no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs>
0: Liberty, you're a treat, my friend. I can't, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and be a part of this show. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you again sometime.
1: That's great. Where are you located?
0: I'm in Atlanta.
1: Oh, Atlanta's very nice. I love Atlanta. You know, you got a (laughs) Bronco museum down there. I used to have a '74 Bronco. And there's a guy that has all his restored Broncos. It's a mu- museum of restored Broncos, and it's like, he, he really? told me if I ever come down, to, yeah, he told me if I ever come down there, I can, he, I should stop by and see them. I, I, he posts all the time on vintage Broncos. They're beautiful. Really? Yeah. Oh,
0: that's interesting because yeah. my wife is a huge Bronco fan, if you will. So I can't yeah. believe we have one of those here, and I haven't been dragged to that
1: place yet. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's right.
0: Liberty, thanks again, my friend. All the best to you and your family. I I hope we get to catch up with you again
1: soon. Let's hope. Okay. God bless.
0: Thank you, Liberty. That is the great Liberty DeVito. How much fun was that segment, folks? Holy cow. That's one of the most fun segments that we've had on the show so far this year. Really enjoyed that. We barely scratched the surface of the great achievements that he has had and the things that he has been involved with. He is a huge reason why we're all such great fans of Billy Joel and the music that they created together. Guys in two Music Hall of Fames, all the wonderful people that he has been involved with and around and recorded with. Boy, I sure can't wait to have him back on the show. I hope he gives us the privilege of catching up with him again very soon. Okay, before I get to my next guest, Bob Winskowitz. I want to remind you about a couple of more of our friends, starting with the folks over at Adele Golf. Is your driver adjustable? Of course it is. How about your irons? Didn't think so. Adele's new SMS irons give you adjustability in an iron to match your swing. These new irons come with three weights lined up across the back of the club. By moving the heavyweight to the heel, center, or toe location, you can match the club to your swing instead of vice versa. The result? Total control of the club face for more distance and accuracy. Your irons can't do this. Check them out online by going to adelgolf.com. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment? Maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented Squares Toe provides balance stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to Squares.com, get the Squares 30-day money-back guarantee and use promo code DISTANCE to get $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. Squares, the distance golf shoe. Okay, now joining me here on Next on the Tee is Bob Winskowitz. Bob is the founder of Squares Golf. If you look back into his career, back into the mid-90s, Bob was the regional sales manager for McGregor Golf and then senior vice president of sales and marketing for the Arnold Palmer Golf Company. He started Squares Golf and the brand and the shoes just keep getting better and better every year. They were named one of the best golf shoes for 2022 by Golf Digest. And I'm thrilled to have Bob back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bob, thanks for coming back on the show.
5: Hey, Chris, it's great to be here with you again. Wow, what a show with Liberty. That was, uh, I, I was I was so intrigued. I'm a huge music music fan, and and man, was that a great interview.
0: It was worth the price of admission, wasn't it? Holy smokes.
5: Heck, it, it, awesome. it really was. It, it, what a fascinating man. Just, uh, uh, it, it, uh, it really was interesting. Very, very interesting.
0: Bob, as I mentioned a moment ago, the Squares brand is going crazy, getting bigger and better every single, I'd say every year. It seems like every month something fantastic is going on with the brand. Catch us up. What's been going on with you and Squares Golf so far in 22?
5: Yeah, it's been a great year for us, Chris. Uh, a- as you know, you know, we've got Sir Nick Valdo, John Daly, who was, uh, quite an interesting guy. He's done a lot for golf and he's got a big personality, as we all know. But we've got Mark Alcavecchia, Fred Funk. Uh, you know, we've got some great instructors with, um, with Jim McClain, and Rick Smith and Nick Bradley. But this year was, uh, our kind of our breakthrough year out on the PGA tour with Steph Straka. Uh, Steph won the Honda Classic. He, uh, uh, he should have won the Heritage and the BMW, uh, and finished seventh in the uh, FedEx Cup points. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, a, it's, a, it's quite a fun thing for us because we've only got one really uh, PGA tour player with Step, And, you know, you got other companies out there that make bets on all these other people. And, uh, we've got one tour player out there on the PGA. We've got several in the senior a champion store. And, uh, you know, Sepp had a great year We with great coverage with the shoes and he's such a great person, a great brand ambassador. So, you know, we've had a great year. Uh, my golf spy named us the most stable golf shoe and out of 30 shoes tested, uh, we came in third, uh, we were a point and a half out of first and a half a point out of second. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's uh it's kind of funny if you think about it, Chris I mean it's less than three years um and uh you know it 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 it's just been an interesting journey and we're out there trying to convince people that you know the most important piece of a golf equipment isn't in your golf bag you know it's 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 your golf shoe when you think about balance stability and ground connection uh you know, there's two connections in the game of golf, your, your hands to the club, your feet to the ground and, and, you know, I can pretty much put any club in your hand with the right shaft and, and, and grip size and, and, and uh, loft. And, you know, the difference will be plus or minus three yards, but, but I can change your shoes out and I can show you a difference, a significant difference of seven or eight yards. Balance and stability have a direct correlation to the distance and accuracy and uh, you know it's interesting we've got some very fascinating people involved with the company a gentleman named uh, phil Stodder, who is director of science for v1 sports and he will tell you the single most prominent difference between an amateur golfer and a professional golfer is what they call postural control and that is your ability to comp- Consistently control your body throughout the swing. These guys on the tour have got a repetitive swing, and they're very consistent. Guys like you and I are, you know, we can go out and have a great round, but the next round we could be all over the place. It's that postural control, it's that consistency, and that really that that emanates from your connection to the ground and your balance and stability. And that's what we focused on with squares. So, I know that was a long-winded answer about, uh, you know, about 2022, but, but it is, you know, it's a campaign that we're now pushing forward that it's, it's what we call it's the shoes. And if you remember back to the days of Nike and, and, and Mons Blackman and Michael Jordan about it's got to be the shoes, you know, that's, um, that's what we're trying to put forth here in the game of golf is that the shoes are a very important piece of equipment.
0: So Bob, let's take that a, a, a step further for, for folks who are sitting out there thinking, Shoes don't make that much difference. A shoe is a shoe is a shoe. That's just not true. Tell them why that's not true.
5: Yeah, it, it's a great point. Is that In footwear making, all these years, people have been after trying to widen the base on the ball of your foot um, because that in of itself will inherently provide you with better balance and stability. And, and what happens is, is that, you know, with a rounded toe shoe, it angles your toes to the center of the shoe. And anybody else can do a little exercise. You can take your hand, you can put it out in front of you and move it up and down like you're waving to somebody. You can do it nice and easily. But once you squeeze your fingers together and then you try to move your wrist up and down, it, you'll feel the tension. And it's the same exact naturally in the shoe. And then we were able to widen the base under the ball of your foot wider than any other the shoe. But then when you flip the shoe over, there's more surface connection with the ground so that the coverage of the ground is far greater with our shoe than any other shoe. So that means a better energy exchange because what happens during the golf swing is that you put pressure on the ground and it comes back up through you, down the club, into the ball, and that creates the distance. And that's what we call ground force reaction. So, With, and that's Newton's one, two, three laws. And so it's all about the science of it. So when we looked at competitive footwear and being rounded toed, what happens is it put a lot of stress and people talk about the kinematic sequence and the chain and all of that stuff. Well, it was affecting that, that, that chain. Secondarily is that the, you know, with the, with the rounded toed shoes, and the narrowness of the front of the shoe, it didn't provide balance and stability. And think of like a tire uh, on a bicycle. It's rounded, so you want to move to the left and to the right. But what you want to do in the golf swing is you want to be grounded. You want to have proper balance and stability throughout the swing. And if you don't have that structure in a golf shoe and that balance, uh, it's all guesswork from there. So the materials that they use, these lightweight, sneaker-like materials, uh, we're seeing people's feet literally move in the shoe. And if you've got a side hill, downhill lie, your foot is going to move to the left, it's to the right, and your body's going to feel that it's off balance. So you're going to start squeezing down with your toes, which provides tension. Golf shoe is paramount in terms of connection to the ground and in terms of structure in keeping the weight uh, or, or your pressure as you move to the swing, really centralized right up and down your spine so that you can exchange the energy better. I know that's kind of technical, but again, we've done all the testing on this in terms of pressure mats, and we've had some of the best people out there, biomechanics, and we, we've tested pretty much every golf shoe out there and compared it to, to the squares, and not one of them can compete with this in terms of the pressure that you can generate, the balance and stability. Which all translates into better, b- which translates into accuracy and distance. Yeah,
0: and Bob, you talk about structure. It seems like a lot of golf shoe companies are going to much lighter weight materials. But also, you could take a, the shoe in your hand; you could twist it like you were wringing out the, uh, a washcloth. And to me, to your point, if you're wearing a shoe like that, I mean, your, your feet are going to roll left and right depending on you know, with you know, if you're right-handed or left-handed, and that's going to take distance off your swing. That's going to take swing speed down. That's going to make your accuracy go way off because you're going to pull or push the shot. Talk about how that structure in the square shoe versus what we're seeing with, with what I call, like, you know, again, like wash clothy kind of uh, shoes. Uh, you, you're, you're all over the place with those other shoes.
5: You know, it's a, it's a great point because the, the, what we tell everybody is if you can, if you can hold a golf suit from the, on the heel and the toe and twist it, throw it away. It's not doing you any favors. Think about this. A 200 pound guy, uh, can, can produce 200 pounds of pressure on the ground and every action has a reaction. So think of during the swing that pressure that you're applying to the ground and some of the better players can, can generate, can, can put a put one and a half times their body weight into the ground. So you watch Tiger and Rory as they swing. It looks like they're sitting down as they're coming down in the downswing. Well, what they're doing is they're forcing the pressure into the ground. It's going down into the ground, back up through them, and they utilize that by transferring down down through the shaft and into the ball. So if you've got these lightweight sneaker-like shoes, uh, again, your feet, are, are moving literally in that shoe because it's got too much play. And there's one word that we use in the swing is called inversion. Uh, most golfers would say, well, I'm getting stuck on my right side for a right handed golfer. I'm getting stuck on the right and then I'm coming up underneath it. Well, a lot of times we see the footwear that it's got so much play in it that as you, as you take the club back and get that weight loaded up in the inside of the trail heel, is that your foot is shifted in the shoe to the point where as you try to come back, it's keeping your weight on the right side. And we've seen a lot of this in testing. So it's interesting that that most players out there is 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 that they can generate the pressure with the ground. But it's one thing to be able to generate it, uh and and then use it all. And that's where the distance comes from. So if you have Promoting these inefficiencies, getting stuck on the right side or your your foot moving back and forth or left and right, it's an inefficiency because that means if if you are moving left or right, that energy that you're creating with the ground is coming up to the right-hand side or to the left-hand side and not straight back up through you. And all of this stuff with today's technology and software is measurable. And a lot of people out there will discount this and say, geez, you know, it, it sounds interesting, but but we can calculate, I mean, we can measure the the effect of these inefficiencies and translate that into accuracy and dispersion. Uh, I mean, act dispersion and distance, rather. And, and it's quite fascinating uh, science. And that's where a lot of these core pros today are focused, is that with the USDA regulations on clubs and shafts, you know, where else do these guys get distance from? They get it from the ground, and they're starting to focus in on the pressure mats and how to generate the pressure and then optimize the pressure.
0: Bob, you guys have come up with a couple of new designs this year, the square speed and the the speed mesh. Talk about those new shoes and how you put those together, but also didn't give up any of the
5: stability. Yeah, so the new speed shoe is the one that Steph has worn all year this year. And uh I again I'm so proud of that design. You know, we really focused on the structure of that shoe on the lateral side and you know, the base under the ball of your foot and the strategic placements of the cleats on the bottom of the shoe. You know, when we developed the mesh, we got quite a few requests for something a lot more breathable and in warm weather states and and so we, we, we fought this for the longest time because we couldn't get the combination of a lightweight material on the top of the shoe and that structure, but we figured it out. And so we're really proud of that design. So the mesh, although it's not a hundred percent waterproof, it's water resistant. You know, it's, it's something that provides the structure, uh, and the same design as, as the square with the wide base and the, the room in the toe box. But also something a little more breathable for those warm weather states. You know, it's interesting when I was listening to your last guest talking about Christmas and things like that. One of the things I'm very proud of, uh, is the shoe that we're launching next month. And we call it the 316. Uh, and it's got the 316 on the side of the shoe as in John 316. And, uh, one of the things that my other half and I have, are very proud of that we've participated in for the last five years is Something called Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child. And this was founded by Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham. And what they do is they send these shoe boxes all around the world to people, to kids, young kids, uh, different age brackets that otherwise have probably never received a gift, have no clue about Christmas. Um, and, and what this, uh, what this Operation Christmas Child does is they send millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of shoe boxes all over the world. And so we developed this 316 shoe and we donate a portion of this shoe. It's a limited edition, 700 pairs that we donate a portion of the seals to Operation Christmas Child. And for those people out there listening, you know, Samaritan's Purse is, it's a Christian-based organization, but they donate money and help out people all around the world, regardless of ethnicity, faith, um, and, and it it's, they help them out in times of need and disaster. So it's, it's something that I'm very proud of. You know, we support breast cancer. We're doing the 316 shoe and, uh, you know, we support our veterans with the John Daly. But, but again, as we approach Christmas time, um, this is something the 316 shoe, you know, we, we wanted to put, I wanted to put my faith out there and, uh, to show people around the world that we care and, uh, you know, I'm really proud
0: of that as you should be, that is a, a very special thing, so kudos to you for going out and, and putting that together. Love that idea. And you mentioned really quickly breast cancer, but you've got a commemorative shoe i got I've got a pair out in my garage that we've got breast cancer awareness coming up here very soon. You've got a shoe that that uh, supports that. Talk about that too
5: yeah we've got a a pink shoe and uh it's for men and women and yes uh real men wear pink and uh you know it's something we've got the breast cancer uh ribbon on the side of the shoe I think pretty much everybody out there would uh would agree that they know somebody or know somebody that knows somebody that um uh has been affected by breast cancer and uh it's something where you know we donate a portion of the sales to a breast cancer foundation, and you know it's all about um providing you know money and awareness through through selling of this shoe uh to hopefully you know find a find a cure someday but in the interim is to to bring awareness such that people can get treated and we encourage people to go out you know women to get tested and it's all about that frequency of mammograms and things like that. And, you know, look, we're just, uh, you know, we pick our, our causes and our charities and, you know, we go full force and that, that's one of them. And, uh, I unfortunately know quite a few people that have gone through that, that, that whole process of breast cancer and, and, uh, you know, most of them have come through with a cure. I mean, uh, you know, a remediation of it and, uh, they're cancer free today. So, uh, again, it's just trying to, to pick these causes, bring awareness and, and, and help raise money through the platform of, of selling a golf shoe.
0: Bob, one of the things that I respect so much about you and what you're doing at Squares, and I think it goes back to your days of working with Mr. Palmer. You told us last time that when you would present a product to Mr. Palmer back in the day, he would always ask you, what's in it for the consumer? And I think you've carried that through to your principle for what you're doing there at Squares Golf. But talk about that sort of idea of whenever there's a product, there has to be a what's in it for the consumer.
5: Absolutely. And, and that's what Mr. Palmer was all about. He didn't want his name associated with a bunch of, you know, marketing mumbo jumbo. You know, he always cut through that when we presented products. He would say, you know, why does perform or why, you know what's in it for the consumer and what's the benefit. And you know, we had to spend as much time on that as it was the, you know, where we're going to spend the money to develop uh you know uh awareness for the product. And and I respected him for that. And uh it made me, you know, as a somebody now who has developed the product a better market because you know we looked at golf the golf field. And, and everybody seemed to be buying golf suit based upon fashion, not function, you know. And I, I, I thought back to the days when, you know, when you think about the big Bertha, you think about the Ping I and, you know, Ely Calloway and Carson Solheim, you know, were out seeking perimeter waiting when they created those two clubs. And, you know, to them, when they got done that, that that oversized driver with no hustle with that tinny sound was the way that perimeter weighting looked back then. The ping irons—that's the way it looked. The the looks of the shoe was secondary to performance, and I always said that. Look, you know, I you know somebody who understood ground force and that it comes and distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. Is that I always said that? Look, you know, the golf shoe. Most people buy it because it's it's you know comfortable or it looks good and and i don 't know too many people that actually bought a golf shoe because it it helped them play better golf and perform better, so you know we spent a lot of time researching this, looking at what what would help somebody in their ground connection balance and stability and so at the end of the day, the shape of the shoe, the geometry of the shoe and the the wide base you know the Total surface area coverage, and even when we placed the cleats, we're all, we're all what the science told us to do. And so we then went out and tested, independently tested with Gene Parenti from Golf Labs, to Terry Hashimoto, who was the co-founder of Body Track, to Phil's daughter, who's the director of science for V1. And it was all independently tested. And, and it came back that, look, this shoe can help you improve your balance, stability, distance, and accuracy. And we, You know, it was something that I, I said, you know, that's what I was after. I was after discernible differences, something that's proved that you can prove that you can put it on pressure Mac and prove this out. And, and there's something truly in it for the golfer. And, you know, Mr. Palmer harped on that every, he had to tell me that once that was, you know, he said that once. And I think the very first meeting, what's in it for the golfer. And, uh, you know, I, it, it, you know, every time I presented to him from thereafter, that's how it started. It started with what's in it for the golfer and then it was how we're gonna market it. So uh yeah, I yeah again, I uh it was a lesson learned and uh it's one of those things I love to tell people because it comes directly from uh from the king himself. Bob, one
0: more before I let you go, but are there other things you mentioned a three sixteen shoe? Are there other things you're working on as we look ahead to whether it's the holiday season or to twenty twenty three?
5: Yeah, yes. Uh we've got some new models coming out. We've got a, a fun model coming out. It's called Fire and Ice. One is uh a black shoe with some flames on the back of it, it's called Fire and the other one's ice. It's got uh ice uh like icicles on it. It's really a great fun design. Um, I am also, uh, excited. This first time it's come out in public is we partnered up with children's miracle network. Uh, they have, uh, it's Barbara and Jack's uh, chosen charity. Uh, it's called, and they do events and golf tournaments called play yellow. And we just developed a very special shoe for them and their event coming up in November. It's in production right now. So, uh, Unfortunately, it won't be for sale. We did it just for them, just for this event, uh, just for that charity. I've got a special place in my heart for Children's Miracle Network. Um, and we've got the new model that, uh, coming out in 2023 that Steph was actually wearing, uh, at the, uh, the BMW and, uh, in the Players Championship. And it's called Speed Bold, B-O-L-D, uh, so we've got some some new stuff coming out uh, later this year, and uh, and then early next year at the PGA Show, we're launching uh, a handful of new products, including some new uh, new women's products as well.
0: Well, Bob, it's been great having you back on the show. Let our listeners know again all the great things that uh, that you guys have coming out with. Where can they see it online, and then follow you guys on social media?
5: Yes, uh, you can find us at squares.com that's s-q-a-i-r-z squares.com uh visit our website you know you can find us on facebook and instagram and uh chris before i go i just want to say congratulations and all the success you know we've talked over the last couple of years and not only has squares grown but your show has grown and uh that's no surprise it's like i tell everybody um you know People like you help grow this game and provide me a platform to come on and talk about my technology So, and my product. So thank you for what you do. Greatly appreciate it.
0: I appreciate you, Bob, and all the partnership and the, the great things that you've brought to our listeners. You're fantastic, my friend, and the things that you continue to innovate with the golf shoe are phenomenal. I hope you'll come back and update us on all the great things you're doing and let us know as those products become available. because. We want to make sure we're we're helping all of our listeners get the very most out of their golf game. And as you said, switching to the right shoe is a major part in getting everything we can out of our swing.
5: Chris, thank you again. Really appreciate it.
0: Take care, Bob. All the best to you and your family, my friend. We'll catch up soon. Take care. You That is the great Bob Winskowitz. Again, it's Squares Golf, folks. I tell you, I Bob didn't come seeking me out to be a partner on the show like I said. I went seeking him out because I believe so heavily in the golf shoe, the principles that he does business by and the principles that go into the shoe are tremendous. And I mean it, to me it's it's just simple logic. The more of your foot that can be stable on the ground allows us to swing the club faster and get more distance. All of those things make a hundred percent sense to me. Right? The energy that we can, you know, as he talked about, you press harder in the ground, that energy comes back up through your body. You're able to swing the golf club faster, and it's just going to go further. Right? Everything. And Bob, Bob talked about lies, right? You know, uphill, side hill, downhill lies, in a stable golf shoe versus one of those bendy, twisty things. It's just going to make you your accuracy so much better. So. Folks, go out there and take a look at it. Squares Golf, S Q A I R Z, SquaresGolf.com. Go out there and take a look and see what these shoes can do for you. They're comfortable. It's not just you're get you're not getting you know some really hard shoe that that you know is gonna you know, make your foot uncomfortable just to get give, give you the you know the things that that we're, we're promoting here. The the shoes are comfortable. They look great and they're gonna make your game better. I mean, folks. You're out there spending hundreds of dollars on a shoe that's gonna make your your golf ball go way offline spend the money, get a better golf shoe, make your game better, and then you're gonna also like i say you're gonna feel better you're gonna you're gonna look better and you're gonna play better right What's better than that you're gonna come off you're gonna come off the eighteenth green with a smile on your face because you just saved yourself a whole bunch of strokes i i can't I can't thank bob enough I can't praise squares golf enough. It's the right shoe for all of us. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks go out to Charlie Reimer, Chris Carter, Liberty DeVito, and Bob Winskiewicz for joining me tonight. Scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. will be back just like he is every other week. Former tour player and radio host, Mark Lai will make his next On the T debut, as will Jonathan Shusky, who is a U.S. Army medic, college golfer, and a part of Barstool Sports. And also making his first appearance on the show will be Tony Ruggiero, host of the Tour Coach podcast and author of Lessons from the Legends. So, folks, it's going to be a great show. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. You can listen to this show as a podcast on just about every major podcast app out there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, Google Podcasts, Audioboom, Player.fm, Podbean. Folks, if you've got a favorite podcasting app, we're probably on that one too. Just type in Next on the T in the search bar. You'll probably find us on there as well. Please check out our website, NextOnTheT.net, to see what our upcoming guest schedule looks like. Plus, we give you links to recent episodes and individual guest segments. So whether you've got 20 minutes or two hours, We've got great content on there for you for free. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. I know there are a lot of great golf podcasts out there for you to choose from. I am very thankful that you continue to make Next on the Tee one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.